followers felt on that Good Friday. That's just a super powerful reminder of what this week really is all about. Amen. So uh, this week we're continuing a series on generosity, and that is the ultimate example of generosity, isn't it? The sacrifice that didn't have to be made but was chosen to be made for us. And it's incredible. And last week we talked about generosity in this light. We talked about generosity as being something uh, not just that we do, but that we are generous people. And uh, some of you may be new here. You may not have been here last week, but I want you to hear something. Uh, Generosity is much more than our money. It's our heart. And we're going to expound on that a little bit today. And uh, on this Palm Sunday, we'll focus on the generosity of Jesus next week at Easter. Uh, But we're going to continue that generosity thought. And yes, okay, there's no easy way to say this. I'm going to talk about money today. It's going to be part of it. But I want you to hear this. Generosity is way beyond just the physical. It is, it is a spiritual act of worship and, and uh, overflowing out of what we've been given, okay? So that's the, that's the baseline for all of this. So you're going to hear me talk about a lot of different topics today, but it all comes back to this. Jesus was generous to a cross. God's been generous with us for, from the beginning of time to all eternity, and we should do the same, all right? So that's the basis we're going to start. But uh, today, we're going we're gonna to expound on this, and I want to talk to you today about active generosity, Active generosity, and it's kind of an oxymoron because generosity implies you're doing something, but I want us to focus on that word active because it requires something of us, right? Uh, It's not just having generous thoughts and being like, oh, I I, I wish the best for you, right? It it, it goes beyond that. That's part of it, but it goes beyond that. And uh, here's one thought I have for you. Active generosity is in reality good stewardship of the gifts that God has already given us. And uh, stewardship is a really good word. It's also a strange word if you ask me, right? Steward, to steward, stewardship. But we have to first talk about what it means. So uh, what does stewardship mean? The dictionary defines stewardship as this. The job of supervising or taking care of something such as an organization or a property. What that definition implies is you are not the owner of it, right? You're taking care of it for someone else. And uh, for those of us that are not business owners, but we work for somebody who owns the business, that's what we are, right? We're to steward that business. What, you know, whatever profession it is, we're, we're there to do our job. We're there to use our time and resources wisely. We're to improve what we've been given for the benefit of who? The owner, right? Guess who our owner is, uh, owner of everything? It's God, And we are called to be good stewards of what we've been given. Stewardship uh, can also be viewed through a biblical definition. And here's a a definition. It'll be on the screen behind me. Biblical stewardship is this. It is a way of living that involves one's daily activities, values, and goals for life, and the use of all possessions. It begins with God and his plans for creation and purposes for humankind. The steward is God's responsible representative and manager of all creation. And that's a definition of biblical stewardship found in the Disciple Study Bible. So we are called to be stewards both in a professional sense because we're taking care of something for someone else, but also in a biblical sense because it's not just about show me the money. It's about stewarding everything we've been given. Uh, What are we stewarding? We are stewarding our words, our attitudes, our resources, our desires, our money, all of it. It's all what we're called to steward. And why? And I'll just lay lay it out there really quickly. This is the, the, the whole premise of last week's message. Because God has been and continues to be generous with us. That's why. 
God was generous in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, God was generous by giving his son Jesus, and God will continue to be generous into eternity as we see in Revelation. Uh, He gives freely of the fountain of life. Our God is a generous and giving God, and that's why we should be generous. So, okay, so stewardship, right? My first thought when I hear stewardship is it's a strange word. My second thought, and this is a little bit nerdy reference for you, but I think of Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Any Lord of the Rings fans out there? Please, a few. Okay, thank you. And there's the steward of Gondor, and he's a jerk, right? <laughs> if you haven't seen it, just know he's a jerk. And it, it, like, it's just this really interesting interchange. And, he's, and there's a confrontation that happens in the movie and in the books where, uh, where the steward has taken control of the kingdom from the king. The steward's job is what? To take care of everything for the owner, the rightful king. And there's a confrontation between the steward and Gandalf. And the Gandalf is like, the authority is not given to you, steward. And he says it like really like snottily to him. And you're like, yes. And you get really excited about it. So I, I get really nerdy and I think Lord of the Rings and the steward. And like, but it's this interaction, right? If you mismanage it and you're the steward, you're doing the wrong thing, right? But if you manage it correctly and you, and you take care of what you've been given and it grows and it blossoms, then you are being a good steward, I propose to you that active generosity is being a good steward. And we actually see it at work in the Bible. In the book of Genesis, we see two accounts. And I'm just going to mention them. I'm not going to go into great detail. Of people who were good stewards of what they were given. In Genesis, in the first few chapters of the Bible, we see that Adam was given responsibility of the Garden of Eden. And he was in charge of naming all the animals and caretaking of the garden. And he was a good steward for God in that time. A little bit later in Genesis, we also uh, encounter the story of this guy named Joseph, right? You guys know Joseph, technicolor dream coat? I mean, multicolored coat, right? Uh, He gets sold into slavery by his brothers, and he ends up in the house of Potiphar. And Potiphar is a rich Egyptian ruler, and he becomes such a good steward. He rises to the top, and he is the manager of the household, of which the Bible says Potiphar only concerned himself by what he ate and drank. That was it. He managed the house and he did things well and with integrity. And he used the resources that were given to him uh, to grow and build Potiphar's house and, and his wealth and do all that stuff. And he was a great steward. In fact, he was so good, the only way they could bring him down was to lie about what he did or didn't do. Right? If you read the account, that's what happened. His, Potiphar's wife lied about him. But we see examples of good stewardship all throughout the Bible. And those are two really quick examples that we see in, uh, just in Genesis of being good stewards. So we, we are called to be generous people by being good stewards of what we have been given because the reality is we have all been given a lot. We've been given time. We've been given resources. We've been given energy. We've got all of those things that God has given us and all he's asking for us to do is to take care of it and manage it well and be actively generous with those things. So the second thing I want to say today is this, is that active generosity is much more than tithing and money, but also includes them both, right? Okay, so my dad's a pastor. If you, if you didn't know that, my dad's a pastor. He uh, went and got his degree and became a pastor when I was in fifth grade. And uh, even before that, I, I understood uh, that there were these uncomfortable Sundays where the pastor would get up and talk about tithing and generosity. And I, I know, right, I'm 34 years old now. I know when a pastor says generosity, it's code word for money, right? Like, I I know that. My dad's a pastor. I know all the tricks. But I want you to understand something, right? Money will come up. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. However, active generosity, good stewardship is beyond just the money. So I don't want you to, like, clench up and not hear anything I'm saying because, yes, money will come up. But 
Generosity is way, way beyond that because uh, we can be generous in many different aspects. And it's important to be generous in many different aspects. So we're going to talk about those. So we have to understand a few uh, truths when we get ready to, to do this active generosity thing and have good stewardship. Everything we have can and should be stewarded through generosity. Everything we have can and should be stewarded through generosity. Why? Because God was generous with us. He tells us to be generous, to help those in need. That's what he calls us to do. So what are the truths? Number one is this. God owns everything. God owns everything. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. Period. Everything we see before us, everything we have, came about because of one generous being named God. Right? Everything we have. Colossians goes on to say this about Jesus in one, uh, Colossians 1, cha- or verses 15 through 16. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been, been created through him and for him. God owns everything. We're just stewards of what we've been given. The second thing we have to remember is this, is everything is a gift from God. Everything we have. Well, a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about Job, if you remember that. Job was the guy who had everything, lost everything, and then got everything back. And it was 50 chapters of him arguing with his friends. And God's like, no. Like, it's a, it's a really interesting book. But Job says this, and, and I want you to hear what he means, right? Job 121 says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. So what is he saying? I came here with nothing. I'm leaving here with nothing. And God gives and God takes away, right? So where do we get our stuff? From God. He owns it all and he gives it all. James 1.17 says it like this. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who do not change like shifting shadows. By the way, that is some really great imagery, right? We know shadows move and play tricks on us. And James is telling us that that's not how God is. God is the same. And if every good and perfect gift comes from him, we have been given many gifts. God has also given us authority over earth. And this is going back to that Genesis passage we talked about a little bit ago. Genesis 1.28 says, uh, Then God said to Adam and Eve and bless them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. From the beginning... God owns it all, God gave it all, and God gave us authority to steward what we've been given. Do you guys understand the biblical like, foundation of what we're working off of here? Right? So like we've been, he has it all, he gives it, and we take care of it. And that's where we're going to pick up. And I'm going to read a, a passage of scripture. It's a story that Jesus told a parable here in just a minute. But I want to, want to lay out what we're looking for in this story. The, the final two things we need to keep in mind these truths is, is this. What we do matters with what we've been given. What we do matters We've been given a lot. And then the, the corollary to that is this. We will be held accountable for our actions for what we've been given. And it, that's both like terrifying and comforting all at the same time, right? Because uh, none of us like when the boss comes and inspects our work, right? <laughs> it's a super uncomfortable thing. Uh, maybe, maybe you're not that way, but like even if I know I've done everything right, I get like super nervous and like, oh, what's going to happen? But we're going to be held accountable for our actions. And there, Jesus tells a really uh, interesting story about all of this stuff, about what we do being, it, it matters, 
and then being held accountable. And that's found in Matthew chapter 25. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 25. Uh, we're going to start in verse 14. And it is, it's a little bit of a chunk of passage, but we'll read through it and talk about it together. All right. It's called the parable of the talents. Uh, my Bible, Bible calls it the parable of the loaned money, which actually gives a little bit better picture as to what's happening in the story. But Jesus says this, the kingdom of heaven uh, will be like this. It'll be like a man who goes on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. Are you catching the basis already? Jesus is setting up. These servants have been given property. It's not theirs. It's the owner's, right? He gives it to them. Uh, to one, he gave five talent. He gave. To one, he gave five talents of money. To another, two talents. And to another, one talent, each according to his ability. A talent was a unit of measurement of money. And it was actually a significant amount of money, by the way. All right, so five, two, and one. The man who had five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Uh, it's a little bit crazy, but good for him, right? Okay, so let's find out what happens. Moving on. After a long time, the master of the servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents brought five more and said, Master, you have entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The same goes for the man with two talents. Master, you've entrusted me with two. I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one talent came. And master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your talent in the ground. Here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance and whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him and throw him out. Throw out the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All right? So that's the whole story Jesus tells. And it is both like an encouraging and really depressing story at the same time, right? Uh, there's the story of two guys who were smart with their money and, and, and grew their money for their owner. And then there was the one guy who was scared and bad stuff happened to him, right? Uh, I could spend a very long time dissecting this because it's theologically rich in there. But what I want to cover is just some really quick observations, right? First... Each man received a different amount of money. Five, two, and one. We are all given different talents, gifts, and resources in our life, aren't we? Many of you make different amounts of money than others. Many of us have different opportunities where we have freedom in our schedules to go and do stuff. Like we all are are given different amounts of resources. And yet the master didn't come and expect 10 talents out of the man who had two. He received two from him, right? So we are only called to steward what we have been given. Does that make sense? Like God isn't expecting us to try to make our money go way or or our resources go way beyond, you know, what, what they should. He knows what he's given us and expects us to put effort in and see a return on that. But he has given us appropriately of that. Uh, Secondly, is that all of these men were held 
accountable for their actions. And this is the part we don't like to talk about, but there will be a time when we are held accountable for our actions and we will have to give a report on what we've done with what we've been given. And that should uh, both scare us a little bit and also give us some hope because we can be good stewards of what we've been given. And as I said before, I'm always the guy like I, I hated inspections or like, hey, Zach, let's have a chat. I'm the guy who's like bottom drops out. I don't know if any of you are like that. Like as soon as somebody's like, hey, can I talk? I'm like, it's the end of the world. All right. So I, I, I'm that way and I, and I get that. But we all will have to give an account of what we've been given. And my hope is that we can say, look what, I, what I've been able to do because of what you gave me, God. That's what I want to be able to say. Look at what, what good happened because of what you gave me. Because why? It's not my stuff, right? It's not my money. It's not my time. God gave it all to me. Yeah, I'm called to be responsible to it and responsible with it. So that leads us really to this. How can I start being a good steward? As we read in that passage, we should be because there's consequences and rewards, right? At risk. We're called to. Jesus is, uh, God has been generous. Jesus was generous. We're called uh, to be generous people. So how do I get started being a good steward? How do I have active generosity? Well, first, I want to make sure we understand this. It starts in our hearts. True generosity starts here. It's an attitude. It's a, it's a spiritual act. When we're generous with people, it, it's, it's beyond just being nice. It's, it, it's something we're called to do and that we should be doing. So it starts here, and then out of that, everything else overflows, and it's really incredible. Uh, last week, you missed it, right? I did, like, my favorite kid's illustration ever. I had this never-ending pitcher of water, and I just kept pouring out of it, right? If you missed it, I will take a donation for Speed the Light or BGMC, and I will show you my uh, really cool kid's illustration, or you could be cheap and watch it on the podcast, I guess, all right? <laughs> I'm kidding, but it was a really great illustration. Why? Because we think... Uh, by being generous, we're not going to have anything. Yet, if we have a generous heart and we act in generosity as Christ is asking us, as God has laid out before us, there's always more. There's always more. And it doesn't make sense mathematically, right? It, it comes out of us and, and God's refilling us, refilling us. And I was able to keep pouring from this pitcher. As, as soon as it seemed empty, there was more. And it's a really great illustration. And so we need to start with our heart. The second thing we need to do is to start somewhere, do something. Be generous in some way. The hardest part of any weight loss plan is getting started. The hardest part of, of saving for retirement is getting started. Right? Like we, we understand that, but for some reason we think, oh, I can't be a generous person. It's too hard. Right? Oh, I can't give. I can't do that. Well, get started somewhere. Do something. We've been given, uh, we've been given resources. Some of us have more than others. But the one thing we all have in common, we all have 24 hours in a day. Everybody's equal there. You guys know that, right? And you may be like, oh, I'm super busy. Yet the reality is we have seven days a week, 24 hours a day that God has given us to steward and be generous with. So maybe a starting place would be to serve somewhere. Maybe you can just start being generous with your time. And I know, like, <laughs> I get it. We're all very busy people. But I think if we looked at our schedules, we could find a half hour, an hour, we can find time because here's the reality, right? We find time for things we really care about. And that's, that's just the truth. We find time for things we care about. Uh, there's always, there always seems to be time for me to go to a movie. It's magic, right? Like Avengers is coming out in two weeks and I, it's been on the calendar for a month, but whatever. I, I will have time that Thursday night. 
We make time for the things that are important. And no, a movie's not eternally important, but I'm very excited about it. All right, but we make time, so we can start there. We can also start by being generous in other ways. We can be generous with words. And uh, let me tell you, like complimenting somebody without expecting something back by being generous with our words, it's very difficult to do that very first time. Because you kind of say it through like clenched teeth. You're like, oh, really good job. You know, and you got like that fake smile. But it's like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get at it and the easier it comes. And the truth is the same happens with tithing and our offerings and the way we give to the church. We need to start somewhere. So start. Tithing is actually a biblical principle. And here's where I'm going to talk about money just for a few minutes because the reality is Jesus talked about money often. Why? Because money is a resource that we've been called to steward. And it should not be the owner of us. It's a resource we should put to work. Uh, You've heard this quote probably before. I actually had to do some digging to see who said it first. Francis Bacon said, money is a great servant, but a bad master. Right? Timothy said this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Uh, Is money inherently evil? No, it's neutral. It is a resource, but the love of money is dangerous. It's dangerous. It's a terrible master. Yet, one of the most effective ways that we can be generous is with our finances. And we're going to talk about it just for a minute, but tithing is a biblical principle that we see from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And tithing, if you're not sure what that means, it literally means 10%. Uh, and it, it was something we see in scripture and that's what we're called to give to the church. And, uh, and hear me, right? Here's the first and most important thing. God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your money. He can do what he wants. He is the almighty, all powerful God. But what he does want is your heart and for you to be a good steward of what he's given you. And, uh, that is just a very powerful truth. God doesn't need any of us yet. He chooses to work through us and wants to see us be obedient to what he's asking us to do. So tithing we see from the Old Testament to the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 14, the people of Israel were called the tithe of their crops. One-tenth of all the crops you harvest each year, uh, bring this into the storehouse. Bring it to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. Moving on in Proverbs 3, 9, we see this. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Okay, we're laying some biblical principles here. Why? Uh, because it's important. And money is like, it's something that is, is a problem for all of us in some way. Either we spend it frivolously, or maybe we're a hoarder, or maybe we just feel like we don't have much of it, or we just like stuff. Anybody with me? Like, you just like stuff. For me, it's technology. Like, I just like the technology stuff. It almost doesn't matter what it is. I just, I just want the new stuff. And uh, I've had to learn over the years uh, to like slow down because I can't afford a $1,000 iPhone every time it comes out, right? Uh, But money is something that affects all of us. Either we think we don't have enough or we have too much, which I don't know anybody that thinks they have too much money. Uh, But we're called to steward that as well. And then one of my favorite Bible passages actually is this. It's in Malachi chapter 3, verses 10. And I alluded to it last week. And it says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Uh, 
I love this passage, and I, here, I'll tell you why. It's not because I'm a pastor and I need you to tithe to pay me. Like, forget all of that. That's, this, this, that's not what this is about, right? What this is about is I love this part where it says, test me. Test me in this. Why? Because you don't see that happen in scripture all that often. Where God lays out and says, test me. See what happens. There are individuals we see in the Bible where God said, test me. Gideon, uh, he was talking with the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord says, ask for what you want. I'll show you. Right? He lays out these fleeces, and it's this whole story. But this is a passage where God is talking to the people of Israel, and he says, test me. And see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven. And I love the imagery that it, there's, it will pour out so much blessing, there won't be room enough to store it. Isn't that powerful? Moving on to the New Testament, Jesus talks about tithing in Matthew chapter 23, uh, verse 23 says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe, that 10%, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So at the same time, this is what Jesus does. He validates tithing as, as a spiritual principle. And he also says generosity is much more than just your tithe all at the same time. Do you guys see what he did there? This is, this is important because I'm talking about tithing, but I want you to hear like tithing is important, but justice, mercy, and faith, Jesus says are more important. So it was a both and not an either or. You guys got that right? Both and not either or. So tithing is something biblical, and this is what it also does. Tithing supports the church, and not just the people church, but the church, the global church. When you guys tithe, it enables us to do things at the church like Service Sunday. It enables us to support our missionaries because we don't, like if I'm just being like really honest, we don't get enough money in our missions account to pay for all the missionaries that we support, but it's because of your tithes and offerings that we're able to support the missionaries we do. Right? So are we just impacting Princeton and the surrounding areas? Yes. Are we keeping the lights on here? Absolutely. But are, also, are we also supporting people all over the world spreading the gospel? Yes. So your tithe, when you tithe, supports so much more than just the local church. It is a both and as well. And as we, like, I'm, I'm getting ready to close here, but I, I want you to understand, we, we can be generous in all aspects of our life. Money's the one that has a hold on our hearts, though. We want to like, we want to like grab it or just spend it. <laughs> but that's why Jesus chose to talk about it so much. That's why it's such a recurring theme. That's why tithing is so important. Why? Because we're giving what has already been given to us. God has given us everything, right? We talked about it. He owns it. He gives it. We're in charge of managing it. So why shouldn't we participate in that? And the Proverbs passage talks about the first and the best. Uh, growing up, as I, as I said before, my dad's a pastor, so tithing was something I was both taught and ordered to do <laughs> as a young person. I'd mow the churchyard, I'd get 10 bucks, and my parents would just take a dollar from me <laughs> for tithe, right? Because that's 10%. They would just take it and be like, that's for the church. And I'd be like, okay. But you know what? As I started growing up and they started working with me, and I got my first job, my first like real job, and uh, I worked at Pizza Ranch and I get my first paycheck. They sat down and reminded me and they said, hey, tithes should come off the top. It should be the first thing you give. Why? Because it's the first and best. So I, I, I'm super nerdy. I wrote a calculator program. So I'd put in my paycheck and it would tell me where all my money went and what my tithe was to me. And I'd write my check and, I, and I'd give. 
And uh, so I've grown up tithing. I continue to tithe because it's biblical and it's an act of worship and it's me being generous with what I've already been given. And here's the crazy thing. And I don't, there's no statistics, right, to back, what, back up what I'm going to say. This is life experience. But when I've tithed and I've tithed first, the 90% I have left has always gone farther than the 100% I've tried to hold on to. And that doesn't make mathematical sense, right? Because 100% is more than 90%. But it's not our math, it's God's math. And if we honor God with our first and best and we tithe off of that, man, he makes that 90% go further. And you know what? He's always taken care of me. He's always taken care of me. And just a really, really short story as I close. Uh, there, there were a few times when Jody and I were newly married. We were living in these apartments just off the North Central Campus. And uh, we were involved in church and we were tithing. Uh, and yet we were getting ready to pay for school and there wasn't enough money. And there were numerous times when we'd be kind of looking around like, how are we going to pay for school? How are we going to do this stuff that a check would show up? Unexpected. Either a, a good tax refund or an unexpected reimbursement check from something. And I've just come to realize, and you can ask other people who tithe how this happens, like God has a way of taking care of you when you're faithful. And this is not prosperity doctrine. I don't want you to hear that. I'm not saying like tithe and God will, t-, you know, it's not that. But there is a principle under here of being generous and God being generous back. And there was a time where we were really unsure how we were going to pay things and what was going to happen. And of all people, the U.S. government sent Jody a college tuition reimbursement check we weren't expecting and it paid all of our expenses. And you can ask other people who've tithed and they, I, I, they'll have similar experiences. That 90% goes further. And God takes care of you. But hear this, right? Generosity is way more than that. Yes, tithing. We're going to talk about that. Jesus talked about that. We did talk about that. But let's be generous people in all aspects. And let's start somewhere. Maybe you're saying, I don't have money, but I can give time. Great. Start somewhere. Maybe you're saying, I don't have time, but I have money. Great. Start somewhere. You might be saying, Pastor Zach, there's no way I can do 10%. Great. Start somewhere. And see if God will not throw open the the storehouses of heaven. We are called to be generous people in all aspects of our life. Finances, time, energy, attitude, words, actions. Let's be that kind of people. Let's be the church that's generous. We try to be and we're going to continue to try to be. Service Sunday, it was awesome. We're going to continue to give you opportunities to serve. But you can find opportunities to serve here. You can find opportunities to serve in our community. And that's being generous with your time and energy, right? Generosity starts here and then overflows into all areas of our life. And it's powerful how God uses what we give to go way beyond what we could ever imagine. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me? I'm going to close and uh, we're going to end in a time of communion. And before we get ready to... uh, partake